0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is on the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's May the 6th, 2022, a Friday in San Francisco. Happy Friday, everyone. Um, I'm not sure what Joe Biden's Friday is like, but I'm guessing he's not. The happiest of people at the moment. His big thing, build back better, doesn't seem to be building, doesn't seem to be coming back, and it's certainly not better. It seems to be um as well. One headline in the hill says, uh, withering on the vine, build back better. His massive scheme to reinvent America. The conservative press is happy about this. Uh One headline from the American Prospect says, Build Back Better Dies Again. Um, What was interesting to me, though, about Build Back Better in the COVID age is it introduced some mathematics, which I wasn't particularly familiar with. The idea of trillions of dollars being invested to fix America. The original scheme, I think, um, planned for... $4 $4 trillion to be invested in American infrastructure um, to save America, or at least to improve America. Now we're back to $2.3 trillion, although even that one doesn't seem to be happening. So what would you do with a trillion or $2 trillion when it comes to maybe not just fixing America, but fixing the world? My guest today... Uh, has a book out, new book about this. Uh, he's a British journalist, a science journalist, Rowan Hooper. He has a new book, or at least it's new in the US. It's been out for a while in the UK. How to Save the World for Just a Trillion Dollars, The Ten Biggest Problems We Can Actually Fix. And Rowan is joining us from Barnes, just south of the River Thames in London. Um. Rowan, uh, did you scratch your head over this trillion dollar number? Uh, as I said, I, I wasn't, I never really given it a lot of thought until COVID and Build Back Better.
1: Uh, I did scratch my head a bit. At first, I started off with a smaller number just because I thought it was kind of selfish to go for a trillion. But then a trillion seemed a, na- a nice round number. Um, and, you know, it's 1% of world GDP. Uh, so it seemed like a good number to play with. Also, if I had a thought experiment with a a smaller number. You can't do the really big things. So I needed a decent amount of money to play with.
0: I don't want to make this a conversation or a referendum on old Joe Biden, but what do you think of Build Back Better? Is it slightly absurd? It seems to be based on on the funny money of modern monetary economics that somehow you can just print money and it's not going to make any difference. We don't hear that kind of nonsense anymore. (laughs) <laughs> well, in our inflationary age, since we're back in the
1: 1970s. Yeah, well, well, actually, you know, quantitative easing. I think six trillion was made just in 2020 um, through quantitative easing um, around the world, uh, and then since 2008, far more than that. You no know, one knows exactly. Maybe 10 or 12 trillion dollars just created in that way, um, and that was to bail out the banks, right? So I think what Joe Biden, what Build Back Better is trying to do. Um, amongst other things, is to create a, a massive green infrastructure and a green rebuild, which is something that is, is vitally needed uh, to, to start the transition, to speed the transition to renewable energy. So, uh, you know, I, I I I like it. I wish it could go through. You well, know, we, we need right. that I mean, money. wouldn't
0: it be fair to say, Rowan, no one's against spending trillions of dollars to rebuild infrastructure, park well, Joe the environment. Is. I mean, it's a no-brainer. I mean, the only people who are against it are obviously political opponents of Biden right. and the Democrats, uh, and those people who argue that um, if you if you invest trillions of dollars in the economy, you create inflation. It seems as if they've, they've been proved to be right. In terms of your scheme, how to save the world for just a trillion dollars, where does that trillion dollars come from?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it could come from something like a, a massive QE plan, quantitative easing. It could come from tax, you know. So the treasury, the U.S. Treasury, um, just found recently that there was seven trillion dollars in unpaid, uncollected tax by going to the end of the decade. So this isn't tax dodging so much as just uncollected tax. So if the treasury cracked down on that, uh, you could you could get some of that, not even completely. You could get a trillion dollars. Um, you know, I wouldn't say easily, but it's there. So. Look, the book is not so much about how to how to make this money or find the money, you know, I wish I knew how it's more of a thought experiment to show that there are solutions out there to the world's problems, because I feel that there's so much doom and gloom and hand wringing. Um, The problems we face are huge. So it's sometimes very easy to be overwhelmed by by them all. Um, And that's very natural. But, so what I wanted to do with the book is show that actually there are solutions here uh, and here's how much they would cost. It's not about um, right. so, know, so where so we the, get the, the money from.
0: Right. So the interesting part of the title actually is the subtitle, The 10 Biggest Problems We Can Actually Fix. Um, before we get to those problems, what were the 11th and 12th biggest problems <laughs> that got left out of the book?
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, all the problems depend on who you ask, right? Different people have different ideas of problems. Like Elon Musk, for example, thinks a big problem we need to tackle is the problem of only living on one planet and that we need to get onto another planet. To, yeah. So to make- he has his
0: SpaceX program, which, uh, today is in the headlines, launching satellites, uh, Starlink satellites into space. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so, you know, you could, uh um, I argue to go to Mars and start a, a, a base there, uh, start a colony there, or even go further. So, you know, there is an, a NASA program, it's only a small one, but it's called the 100 Year Starship, and it's, it's devoted to looking at what we need to do so that in 100 years time, we'll have an interstellar starship capable of taking humans uh, to other planets not in our solar system these are exoplanets in this is a sort
0: systems. of a, a long now style project we we did a show with john markov who's just written a book um right uh
1: yeah about stuart brand and his vision of yeah. the long now exactly um so that that was an idea that i like i looked at a bit but um i that's you know that's not in the in the book because i want things that we can we can do now that we don't have to invest in that we can do in a hundred years' time. Yeah. So, so now now, not long now. So yeah, exactly. um
0: so let's let's get to one of those 10 biggest problems. The one that everyone, of course, is gonna think about, and I know um, is an important piece of your book, is saving the environment, particularly focusing on the issue of, of of a carbon zero future. We've done many shows about that. Chris Goodall, mm. for example, on the show last year, another British writer. Yeah. What we need to do now for a, a zero carbon future. Yeah. Um, can we can we fix the carbon problem for a for a trillion dollars, Rowan?
1: Uh, we can't fix it, but I think we it would go a long, long way to speeding up the transition. So one of my favorite um, bits of work that's been done, it comes out of Stanford um, by a group there, and they've created a a roadmap to how to get to a carbon neutral world. Uh, So a global roadmap, all the things that we need to do, and it's all been costed up. Uh, And it will cost about 100 trillion to get to a carbon neutral society um, by 2050. So my trillion dollars won't do it for the entire world, but it would be able to really get the ball rolling. And that's what we need to that's do. That's a rather to.
0: sobering number, Rowan. So a trillion dollars well, is only 1% of what we need to actually get to a carbon neutral future?
1: Well, it, it's sobering. But then it, what's even more sobering is what you look at the costs if we don't do it, so that they far outweigh the spend, right? So the costs can be uh, uh, you know, t- tens and tens of trillions more than uh, not doing it. So if we don't, the cost of climate change, right, the cost of, of higher warming are going to be so devastating that it make it just makes economic sense, if nothing else, to put the money in now. So, so yes, it does sound like a lot of money, but you want to look at the damage that will happen if we don't. That's already happening. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. The, look,
0: I'm the last yeah. person to argue against it. I, I'm just sort of putting <laughs> yeah. it into some sort of quantitative context. Yeah. By the way. What what is the the word for a tr- a thousand trillion? We know a thousand billion is a trillion.
1: What's a thousand?
0: Uh, yeah, when it starts trillion. to get
1: up to that, I don't think there's a proper word. You know, if, uh, you'd you'd have to say sort it's of a Google. It's a ten to the ten to the twelve or ten to the fifteen. We we know. get
0: into pure fiction. So <laughs> um, are there are there any cheap fixes for this? The carbon. Crisis. I mean, for example, we've done some shows and I've had lots of conversations with environmental friends about this idea of burying carbon in, in, in the Earth's right. core. Is that conceivable? Are there some cheap ways of addressing well, this? Maybe not completely, but at least confronting it?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's, there's loads of ways to do it. And they really fall into two categories. There's a, a technological way of doing it Um, And that's when you build a machine that sucks CO2 out of the air, turns it into rocks, basically, or turns into something that can then be made inert and and dumped underground. So that's direct air capture. And that's being looked at a lot by many people from, you know, Bill Gates is investing in that um, as well as, you know, there's a famous company called Climeworks that are doing that. Um, Or you could do it more cheaply and more sort of biologically uh and and simply grow more biomass and that might be simply trees or it might be grasses or peatland or might be marine uh marine biomass and and you you draw down carbon the old-fashioned way and and lock it up like that and so with kelp for example with uh with the seaweed uh very fast growing seaweed grow if you planted more of that grows very fast when it dies it falls down to the bottom of the ocean and locks up the carbon down there so that's another way. There's lots of different ways we can do it. Another one I really like is um, called enhanced weathering, where you basically grind up basalt, volcanic rock, make it very fine, and you spread it on the fields that you're growing crops in. And this draws down carbon out of the atmosphere because it reacts with the dust you've spread on it and, and, and turns it into carbonate, locks it up in rocks. So that's got a, another great potential to draw down loads of carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And we need to do all of these things. So, yeah, there are lots of different ways to do it. And
0: we got a, a trillion dollars to do it. Um, trees, of course, are really important. I know you you write quite a lot about trees. We've done a number of shows. We had Kinari Webb, for example, on the show with her book, Guardian of the Trees. We also had um, very uh, influential American environmentalist, Tony Hiss, on the show talking about uh, rescuing the planet, protecting half the land to heal the earth. Yeah, is that something you gave some thought to in the book about essentially buying back nature in the world oh, yeah. itself rather than addressing the carbon crisis?
1: Absolutely, yeah. There's a there's a whole chapter on that, and and I noticed that book that Tony Hiss book, you know, introduction by E.O. Wilson. So he was the one who came up with the half Earth idea, the idea that we need to put aside half of the planet. To nature um so there are I, i've got a whole chapter on looking at what what could you do what sort of amount of land could you buy and protect. I mean, you don't
0: need to i mean according to tony anyway it's when he was on the show it's so much the cost it's the political will where would that money go to i mean i guess it's just well, yeah. buying land back
1: well it is but like you know one of the key areas at the moment that's in real danger is the brazilian rainforest so you'd have right. to pay you'd have to pay the Bolsonaro government to, <laughs> to and like how could you be sure that the money you could pay be- with cryptocurrency well uh, you know, and they would take that and then it's probably not worth anything well the environment minister of brazil uh, a couple of years ago did suggest that western governments rich countries should pay brazil not to destroy the rainforest and a lot of people were up in arms by by that proposal but i actually think it's something we should consider because the the rainforest is globally critical and it's in a really precarious position at the moment. So if that's what it takes, uh, let's do it. If we don't if the rainforest flips into a savannah state and, and disappears, which it could do, then it will have a knock on consequences around the world that will cost, you know, far more than the money we'd have to pay Brazil to save it. So that's another thing that's really needs considering, I think. Tony, you're uh, not Tony, uh, you
0: Rowan, your book is how to save the world for just a trillion dollars it's not how to save the planet so it's not just about the environment although as you say there are two or three chapters on the environment in it um yeah. saving the world might involve or at least you discuss discussed this saving the world might involve going out into space we've done a number of shows we had the wonderful uh, science writer alan lightman on the show a couple of years ago talking about probable uh, impossibilities Uh, We also had a very controversial um, cosmologist, A.V. Loeb, on the show on uh, extraterrestrials. We talked about his new book, Extraterrestrial. Is it conceivable that that trillion dollars should be invested in, if we are to save the world, in exploring space and finding perhaps other life forms out there? Yeah.
1: Well, I would love that to happen. And the, the cool thing with this is you don't need the whole trillion for it, uh, at least not for exploring the solar system. Uh, it's it's relatively cheap to send big missions out um, into the, the moons of Saturn and Jupiter, especially. Um, and, you know, NASA have got a few in the pipeline, They've just announced a couple more. Uh, they generally cost around $10 billion each, $10-20 uh, billion, uh, which in my scheme of things is... is not that much money. So um, I'd love to see some more missions like this that are specifically targeted at some of those really, really interesting moons of Jupiter and Saturn, which have a big potential to find life on them. Um, and I just think that for the relatively small outlay, uh, the chance of finding finding life, um, I mean, it would be the most extraordinary discovery ever made to find an alien life form. Um, or at least by us. I don't
0: know if maybe some other people have made better discoveries. What well, happens if we find smart machines out there? Probably it well, be, we might regret it, firstly, because yeah. we become enslaved to them. And secondly, uh, might make us rethink our investment in technology.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, a small risk, frankly. Uh, you know, that, that's not that something to really worry about. I mean, people do worry about... Uh, signaling to exoplanets further afield that it might alert nasty aliens to our presence. But again, it's not something I'm particularly worried about. In well, any Robert, case, it's I...
0: likely that if we did bump into another life form, I mean, mm. uh, obviously, in a, they're not going to be like us. But, I mean, Bolsonaro isn't very friendly. Putin isn't very friendly. It's not likely they're <laughs> going to be very friendly towards
1: us, is it? Well, I, I'm not worried about... I, about finding an intelligent life form, to be honest, in this solar system, I'm, I'm talking about finding a bacterial life form. I think that would be exciting enough. Um, it's not something we're going to be able to sit down and chat with or learn anything from. Well, I think we could learn a lot from it, but not not through culture, not through uh, intelligent discussion. So I think that cut side of things that, uh, you know, someone, some, you know, hostile alien race is going to attack us is something we don't need to worry about.
0: What about investing the money in smart machinery and AI? We had the, another mm. British writer, Jeanette Winterson, on the show. She's one of the few people left who believes in tech. She has a new book out, 12 Bytes, about yeah. how AI can, if not save us, certainly enrich humanity. Yeah. What happens if we put that trillion dollars into inventing smart machines that do our w- work for us? Might that be a good investment?
1: I, I think so, yeah. I mean, there's billions of dollars being put into the race to find a AGI, artificial general intelligence, a, a computer that is as smart as a human, that has human level intelligence. So this is going on already. Um, China and the US are the are the leaders that, and there's a race to do it. Um, I would love to see more money going in to make sure that, that race is something that the rest of us can keep an eye on, you know, that it's not done in secret because you can imagine um supposing some someone does create uh, a computer that has a very high level intelligence the advantage they would get over the rest of the world is would be stunning um and I don't know whether you could trust whoever does that to do the right thing with it that would be beneficial for everyone but I'm I'm with Jeanette Winterson on this though I do think that AI has the potential to solve lots and lots of our big problems So I would love to see more investment in it.
0: What about putting the money, um, Rowan, into things which currently aren't working, like the internet? Um, We had the uh, digital activist last year, Talia Stroud, on the show, talking about redesigning the internet so that we create public space online. Might it be better to put that trillion dollars into... Uh, something which we all value, which currently isn't working very well.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, this, that, that's the thing about this book is, um, other people, anyone who reads it, can have their own ideas on how to spend the money. Uh, th- these are my ten ideas of things that I would do that I would do with the money. Uh, I would, I would say, that would be lower down on my list of things to do initially with the money. But I agree that it is, it is something that would be nice to see. Some investment with and some improvements on.
0: So we've talked about extraterrestrial. we've talked about the environment, we've talked about AI. What else is on your list? What other problems do you um, do you write about and how to save the world for just a trillion dollars?
1: <laughs> well, uh, so chapter one is about eliminating poverty. So at first i I wasn't gonna give the money away. Um, and then I was speaking to one professor who said, you know, spending the money on research or on all these other things you're talking about is immoral, and your moral duty would be simply to give the money away. Um, so I would that at go it, very
0: far though. Would a well, trillion dollars really fix global not if poverty?
1: You, well, not if you not if you just divide it up equally around the world. But if you divided it by uh, all the people who the World Bank consider to be in extreme poverty, so that's earning under. Uh, $2 a day or having $2 a day to live on, if you divide it by them, they get a lump sum of around $1,000 each. Um, and a, a lump sum of $1,000, if you live in extreme poverty, is a, is a life-changing amount. And the kind of UBI
0: been... for the planet, a universal basic income, a one-time well, well, yeah, payment.
1: Yeah, it is. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's one exactly. It's a one-time payment. And lots of experiments have been done around the world, different communities, including the U.S., uh, in areas of, of extreme poverty uh, to look at what happens if you if you make these payments to people and what tends to happen is that they are lifted up the rung of, of the poverty ladder sustainably come back a year later five years later uh, you check the villages that have had these this treat this payment treatment um, and they've all they've improved they've they've got better houses they've got better assets they've got better education uh, especially women's lives are improved so uh, I mean, it's an, it's really it really shocked me at what change you could you could implement around the world if you literally gave <laughs> gave the money away. Yesterday, uh,
0: Rowan, I did a show with Levi Vonka, anthropologist and political activist, about the moral case for demilitarizing the southern border. We've done a number of shows the southern border of the US. We've done a number of shows on. The refugee crises in Europe, in North Africa, um, obviously in the Middle East, and as well as Central America, um, could that trillion dollars be used to to fix the the, the refugee the various refugee crises around
1: the world? Yeah, of course. I, I it, you can imagine the amazing things you could do with it. Um, again, you know that's something that's not in the book. I just had to keep things manageable, but. Um, I mean, it, I guess it comes slightly under the umbrella of, of fixing poverty because mm. you know these these things are linked, um, and that's a lot of a, a lot of the reason behind uh, refugees is to is to is economic movement. Um, but I'm, I was really looking at what you could do about extreme poverty. But but sure, you could do a lot uh, to tackle the refugee crisis. Anything cultural in the book, Rowan? Any any
0: billion-dollar, any trillion-dollar investment in culture to enrich humanity, to enrich the world?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm afraid not. Um, I I set myself some rules at the beginning of the book, which was uh, I mustn't spend the money on politics, on the military, or on the media, uh, which includes, you know, movie-making and stuff
0: like that. Is that wise, though? I mean, one of the great crises of the world today is fake news. We've done so many shows. We did one with Mickey Huff uh, earlier this month. Yeah, about our failure to trust anything we read in the media these days. Isn't that one of the great problems in the world? Is trust no,
1: and information. I, I I agree completely. I mean, you could buy Fox News for twenty billion dollars, and that's nothing. And what? My, just put it and, and bury it like that carbon,
0: bury <laughs> no, it in the wor- in, in the in the Earth's uh, core, but, so we never have to see it again.
1: Well, I would repurpose it as a, a, an actual a proper trustworthy organization. Uh, I know it would take some. They may think and, they're
0: already trustworthy. Maybe we can send them up to space in one of the SpaceX rockets.
1: You could invest a lot in the media, and I think you know you could do a huge amount of good. Um, but like I say, I wanted to just keep to a keep it manageable, and also play to my strengths, which is science and environment writing and reporting on those sort of things. The other another big thing to tackle is is health and global health. Yes. Um, and I was inspired by this by the the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. So, you know, this is based in San Francisco. Um, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, Priscilla Chan set up the their initiative. Their stated aim is to cure all disease globally by the end of the century, uh, which is incredibly ambitious aim. And I looked into well, what could you do um with with a lot of money with more money than they're putting in? Uh to to achieve that aim? Would it even be possible? But what could you do? So, you know, again, um, I mean, uh, you sort of mentioned earlier about the sobering amount it would cost to tackle, to get to carbon zero or to get to a carbon neutral state. Um, And again, it would cost a lot to massively improve global health. But again, by doing that, you save money in the future because you're improving people's lives. Uh, are you improving the health costs that they would incur later in life? So it's another thing that you spend a lot of money at the beginning and you save money later. And it's also the right thing to do.
0: I think there's any contradiction, Rowan, between the fact that Mark Zuckerberg is trying or promising, and I never actually believe anything Mark Zuckerberg says, particularly when he promises us, promising mm. us or trying to promise us everlasting life uh, and his massive re <laughs> rethinking of Facebook so rather than a social network he's turning it into meta a place for virtual reality there's some contradiction there isn't it um yeah (laughs) I mean we can live forever on meta but not yeah in our physical bodies I mean isn't that the kind of thing which is slightly absurd I know you also write about um Jeff Bezos's Earth Fund, of course, uh, yeah. Elon Musk comes up, his space initiatives, and Bill yeah. Gates. Is there a particular multi-billionaire who you particularly respect, who you think is really putting their money where their mouth or their soul or their heart is and should be and could be a model for all this? Uh,
1: I mean, Bill Gates is the obvious one because he is spending a lot of money on global health. Um, I I do... Th- I mean, I, I, there's no one person I would pick out as the model because you know they 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 got rich by making investments which make them money which is not you know it's not that's not what I've done anywhere near so and it's not something that I'm not looking for a model billionaire to to save us I'm just looking for ways to show that these are problems we can solve with money but but Bill Gates is is spending money well Bezos, you mentioned the earth fund, he's put $10 billion into that. And they're doing some really interesting things there, because what I like about what they're doing is they're buying land, uh, protecting areas of land that aren't just critical for biodiversity, but they're also critical carbon stores. So, so this get... is the
0: Tony strategy. I don't know if Tony is involved with the Bezos fund.
1: I don't know, but exactly. It does, two. you get two for the price of one there with your spending. Uh, you you get to tackle the biodiversity crisis and the and carbon drawdown and, and the climate crisis. So I think um, a bigger version of the Bezos Earth Fund uh, is, is something that we critically need. I would love to see more billionaires putting a lot of money into that, but governments as well. Governments, it has to come from governments because in the end, the billionaires aren't going to be enough. And we, we shouldn't have to rely on them to do it I, anyway.
0: We certainly shouldn't, or we we can't rely on them. Um, mm. We began this conversation, Rowan, talking about the crisis of the Build Back Better, the four trillion dollar scheme. It's apparently uh, it's withering, but yeah. let unwither it if there's such a word, and give you that trillion dollars, uh, Rowan. What would you mm. do with it? One thing you talk about. 10 problems to fix. But if you really had that trillion dollars, what would you do exactly with it? What focus would you have? What's the I, best I, way to save the world?
1: I think it's it's what I've just said about the Earth Fund. It's that on a massive scale. It's buy land and protect land, plus the people's livelihoods that are there. Right. That's really important. You've got to bring them with you, make sure that they're looked after. But that's doable. Um, protect land that's critical for biodiversity uh, in key areas around the world. Uh, and critical for carbon drawdown, uh, and that's that you get two for the price of one there. I, I'd love to see more land that you know to stop areas of of rainforest and and savanna in South America um being destroyed for to grow soya to feed to uh, cattle and to feed to farm animals for us to eat. So we've got to we've we've really got to stop that. Uh, And uh, so I'd put the money into schemes that would protect these vast areas of land around the world, but especially in South America.
0: And it would also be good for our mental health. We had a show with Lucy Jones, English writer, about the connection between depression and our loss of the environment. So not only would it be good for the world and the planet, it would be good (laughs) for us. Excellent stuff. Well, it's an interesting thought experiment. Fascinating new book, Rowan. Congratulations on that. How to save the world just a trillion dollars maybe we need more than a trillion but it's certainly an excellent thought experiment wonderful conversation rowan you're talking to me from Barnes in south london i know you've got to take your daughter to sewing yeah. but just before <laughs> you do that um yeah what else should we be reading rowan in addition to your new book how to save
1: the world for just a trillion dollars well I, i've just finished this book by george Mombio, mm. um which is basically takes text- in chapter seven of my book, I look at how we need to change agriculture around the world um, and, and move away from uh, the, the, the terrible destructive practices that we're doing with agriculture. Uh, and this book basically takes chapter seven of mine, um, but fleshes it out massively. Uh, it's, it's a really fantastic read. i have to
0: get George on the show. I yeah. did another show, Regenerate. We've had Paul Hawkins on the show. so. Oh, it's yeah. a really important subject. And finally, yeah. Rowan Hooper, author of How to Save the World for Just a Trillion Dollars, The Ten Biggest Problems We Can Actually Fix. I'm sure you've given this um, question some thought, uh, Rowan. Who, who runs the world in early May 2022? Who's really in charge these days?
1: Oh, you know, I did think of it. There's no one in charge. That's why we're in such a pickle. You know, it's it's all, it's all everyone for themselves. Uh, so I wish there was someone in charge, you know, the, the ants are in charge, because they're the most important organism, the, you know, super organism we've got. But, uh, you know, there's no one in charge that we're flailing around, um, you know, someone, people, governments need to step up and over, overturn sort of their local politics and the local concerns and, and really come together, which sounds like Star Trek. It sounds a utopian, but uh, it's going to have to happen. Excellent.